Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Start and end your day with the good news. The good news with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. Now, here's Angie Austin and friends with the good news. Hey, it's producer Moose sitting in for Angie. As she talked about last week, her son Riley fell at school playing football and broke his collarbone. And so he is, and they had to take him to the hospital in the ambulance. But that was a week ago. He's home now and is getting better, but he has a bunch of follow-up doctor's appointments. So she had to bail out on today, leaving me in charge. And so coming up next, we have uh, Miles King and his mom, Tree, who uh, they've been on the show a couple times. Miles has with uh, the ARC and with his uh, father and their musical family, but Tree's coming in because they are very big advocates on autism, and there's a, a fundraising walk coming up at Coors Field next month. They're just very big advocates on uh, autism and letting people know what's going on with that, so they're going to tell us about what uh, life is like having a family with autism in that mix and just uh, helping them out raise money for this uh, wonderful cause. So it's coming up next, but right now I have my wonderful friend Steve Mudflap McGrew who's going to help us out with some good news. Hey there, buddy. Hey, how are you? Uh-oh, we're vlogging. Uh, we're vlogging. We're shooting a little video. There's Moose right there. Hey, we're... Even though we're live on the radio, we'll be uh, not live when this comes on the internet. Forever so, embedded so. in the interwebs. No, I was just listening to you talking about uh, uh, Angie's son yes. breaking the collarbone. Mm-hmm. I have broken both of mine as a kid. Oh, okay, how'd you manage that? So, um, well, first one I broke playing uh, football in the yard. Yeah, well, he was playing football at school. And... Uh, that that was how that one got done. The second one I broke at school playing dodgeball. Oh. And uh, I was told to get up, shake it off, and, <laughs> you know, when you know you're hurt, but the coach doesn't really believe you. Right. Walk it off, son. Walk it off. Rub some dirt on it. You know, that kind of thing. So um, it wasn't until the next day when I couldn't roll out of bed. <laughs> Mom! My arm's paralyzed. Uh-oh. So uh, when you said, oh, yeah, he was taken to the hospital, and like, mm-hmm. well, pff, must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, they wanted him just to stay in the, the field, and they would call the ambulance. And he's like, no, I, I, can, I can make it. And so he got up and walked in, like, super agony all the way across the field and up into the office. And when Angie asked him, she said this last week, why he just didn't wait for the ambulance. Well, I thought ambulances would cost lots of money, so I thought I would just wait for you. Good so kid. He's trying to be frugal, but, Good like, kid. in agonizing pain. But, but I, I remember the uh, they put a, uh, a butterfly butterfly brace on you. It's right. Like, in, like a figure eight yes. that holds you back and straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's horrible for days. I think you, I think he's just in a sling for now. I think that's about to come off soon, and then he just has some exercises and whatnot. But so he might be just cracked his instead of like snapped. Right. I think it might have just been not like a full on fracture. Oh, because mine but, was a snap, and this has to hold, this has to hold you straight and in uh, place. And you're like, <laughs> can you help me get up? Can you help me do things with my hands after the bathroom? Oh you know? goodness. Yeah. Well, you know, you've been a stand up comedian. How long have you been doing stand up? Uh. 
36 years, I oh, think. before the time of Moose. Before the time of Moose. <laughs> yes, that, that's how we're now uh, gauging time. So, I, so it's, it's BM and AM? <laughs> <laughs> it's BM time, y'all. <laughs> yep. Before Moose or after Moose. I'm going to get a letter about this one. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, I started in October of 79. And uh, what was it, a dare or an open mic? What got you started into stand-up? Um, just seeing it. I, I was hanging out with a friend that was doing comedy, mm-hmm. and I just saw it and thought, I- I'd like to try that. And once you try it and you're semi-good at it, you kind of get uh, addicted. You know? Right. I'd like to do this again. I'll do it again. What, you'll pay me for it? Okay. You mean I can make a living out of this? And how old My it? real job! And how old were you? I was 21, I think, when I started. And 22 oh, okay. when I really started doing it full time. And 24, like, I think I'll make this my profession. And uh, your uh, comedy career was sponsored by your mullet. I've seen pictures. It was. Yeah. It was. <laughs> and I, was this um, was comedy before or after or during radio? Um, what was that timeline? Well, for me, I, well, I was the cartoonist for the Houston newspaper, the Houston Chronicle. Oh, okay. That's what I was doing. That was my real job. That's the one thing I did not know. You did not know that? No. That's what I went to school for is art. Oh, wow. So, yeah, um, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. But like everybody else, do you really end up doing your degree? <laughs> no, or else no. I'd be a gym teacher. Just kidding. See? <laughs> and so that guy got distracted on that. And uh, the I'll tell you a little story, though. I think this is very funny, how your parents never really believe in what you're doing. Oh, yeah. You know how they do, well, that's great, but you should have something to fall back on. Yeah, my mom has told me, in all seriousness, oh, you have a great face for radio. She swears that she meant to say voice, but it came out face, and she was dead serious about it. And she has to live with that now. So when when I wanted to go to school for art, Mm -hmm. my dad was like, well, that's great. I'm glad you have talent in that, but you really need something to fall back on. There's a lot of starving artists. (laughs) Right, and then I got the because what? What did your dad do? Uh, my dad was well. He's done a couple of things. He was uh, he raised cattle. He was in the oil field business, selling equipment, and he did heavy. Const- he sold heavy construction. So he, he was a man's man. And yeah, like, Daddy, I want to go be an artist. Yeah, yeah. Well, why don't you just tie your hair back with some ribbon? <laughs> and uh, so when I got the job as an artist, he's like, "Well, that's that's great, but mm. you know, there's a." There's still a lot of starving artists. You need to have something. This job probably can't last forever. You need to have something. Right. And then I leave that job to go do stand-up. My dad goes, why would you want to leave a good job <laughs> to – you better have something you could fall back. We go, they take you back at the other job if this doesn't work. You know, so <laughs> – There's a guy here in the office, and he has a 19-year-old son who's in his first year at college. And he's going for dance performance. Uh-huh. Every time they're signed up for classes, I can hear him over his phone because his cube's near mine. So uh, what classes are you taking? Are you sure? Are you sure you don't want to, you know, squeeze something, something else in there, something like cha- computer science yeah, or something? Change your major a little. <laughs> yeah. So finally, when I was on TV as a stand-up comic, then my dad was like, "You know, my my son's a comic." Oh, you know, you that's had to, when it finally became. It's one of those you have to prove. They mm-hmm. don't want to believe it till you actually prove it. You know uh, what I mean? So, and what, when was that? And well, I think the when they finally were okay with it was when I was touring with Dolly Parton. Oh. When they got to see me doing a show with Dolly Parton. And I remember, uh, this would have been 94, Dolly was on Entertainment Tonight. They were mm-hmm. interviewing Dolly. And Dolly mentioned me oh, okay. on Entertainment Tonight. 
and and uh, my parents recorded that and would show it over and over to people. Like, <laughs> wore out the tape. Just wore out the tape of of her saying, you know, I've, I'm out touring this year and I've got a great opening act, you know, and that was which was me. And, so '94, and you started like 15 years prior. So it took your dad almost a decade and a half to realize. To realize, oh, I guess he does know what he's doing. Yeah, I guess he is paying his bills. Right. It's like oh, he he hasn't been on the streets yet. Yes. All right. Well, like I've, uh, we said last week, I've been listening to and watching a ton of stand up. And it's all over Netflix, and I didn't realize how much was out there. And yeah, so, Netflix is now the basically the new home of stand-up comedy. Right. It, it used didn't to be you like record HBO. something a while ago to yeah. try to get on Netflix? Yeah, I just recorded a special in Las Vegas with some other comics. And is that going to get picked we're, up, or is that hoping? It's hoping. being shopped to, to Netflix right uh, okay. now. Please knock on everything wood around you. Yeah. Cool. Well, I hope that does uh, become something cool because I can just say, hey, there's my I buddy. I that guy. Yeah. But uh, one of the guys that I've been watching a ton is Jim Gaffigan. He's um, he, a lot of his comedy comes from his family. White dad problems. White dad problems, and he uh, has four kids, or maybe five. I lost count. You know, seventeen, whatever. So did he? Yeah, <laughs> thirty-nine kids and counting. Uh, but uh, you know, he's he lives in a two-bedroom apartment. He and his wife are very frugal, even though he's a great stand-up comedian and has movies and TV shows and whatnot. But I just love his lifestyle, and he has four kids. And they live in a two-bedroom apartment in New York, and that just overwhelms my mind to think of do, that. Do they live in like a four-level bunk bed or something? <laughs> maybe, or? maybe. My wife would have that lifestyle if I, you know, wasn't so cranky, really? is what she tells me. But yeah, she she's like, "Hey, have you seen the show Tiny House Hunters? Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah, a root canal would be more, more exciting. <laughs> yes. And so, just um, Jim Gaffigan, he has a great take on life and kids and being a father. And this is one of the I don't know. You've only have. Uh, just the one son, or how many kids? Did I just you? have one. One, okay. Yeah. Well, he talks about his four kids, and it's been a big struggle with uh, my family right now. With my three and a half year old daughter and eighteen month old son, is bedtime. So let's take a listen to Jim Gaffigan and bedtime. Four kids. <laughs> bedtime is a crisis. <laughs> That's why I'm here right now. <laughs> it's too hard. They act like they've never been to sleep before. <laughs> Bed? What's that? No, I don't want to do that. Then it becomes some hostage negotiation. But in reverse. Look, if you stay in there, I will give you whatever you want. I will meet your demands. What do you want, a helicopter to Cuba? Anything. Just stay in there. There's always one awake. Like they're taking shifts. All right, I'll annoy him from midnight to two. Who wants three to six? Now let's lie down and practice kicking him in our sleep. Because my wife has instituted this open door policy where if one of our kids has a nightmare, they're welcome to come in our room and pee in our bed. Luckily, that only happens every night. You ever slept next? So, Sayla and Toby share a room. They have bunk beds. Uh-huh. And Sayla's on top because she's the older one. And uh, you know, Toby is a cuddler. He can't really get to sleep, deep sleep, unless he's a cuddle to sleep. Uh-huh. But Sayla has been in this phase now where she's, she's a lover of music. And there's a show that I've talked about a few times on the show called Daniel Tiger's Neighborhood. And it's a spinoff of um, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. You know, he had all those puppets that he would go and do. Yeah. Well, it's like all those characters, but now animated. And has like the same They've feel. Come to life. They do, and it's uh, the same characters, and it's a very cool show. And they teach a lesson in each show, and each lesson is summed up 
with a song. And it's this, you know, catchy little chorus that's easy to digest and learn. And she's just sitting there singing these lesson songs. And we're like, and my son is very curious, so it keeps him up. And so we're like, Sayla, great that you love this song. Be quiet and go to bed. <laughs> and so just each night gets worse and worse and worse. And it's just become a battle of, you're being so cute, but shut up and go to sleep. Well, now you're going to have to just be honest, be honest. It's not cute anymore. Right. You know, you've gone past cute. Yes. You're in, you're in the hell zone that's not even described in the Bible. <laughs> and my wife kind of had that come to Jesus song with her yesterday. And uh, I don't you know, envy having that call, that conversation at all because it was little, little wounded bird face afterwards going, but I just want to sing to you. <laughs> no, go to bed. I had, yeah. I had to go to bed trouble with my, my kid. Mm-hmm. I mean, really like go to bed. I want to drink a water. Get back in bed. I need to go to the bathroom. Get back in bed. Yes. You know, and uh, he was one time I told him if he didn't go to bed, stay in bed, we weren't going to go to Disneyland. Oh, yeah, we've talked about this that. before. And he got up, did not go to Disneyland. Oh. And at one point, I finally, and this probably will sound horrible, I don't really care anymore, is I turned the doorknob around, so the lock was on the outside. Oh. So I would actually just lock him in his room, and you would just hear him, ah, ah. When I was a teenager, I babysat for some people, and they had, like, that deadbolt door, uh-huh. but it was up high, and, like, they had to do that same thing. Yeah. Yeah, so I, and my mom had told me that years and years ago, and most people you really believed it at the time. Mm-hmm. You just let them cry themselves to sleep. Right. You just don't give in at any point. They have to learn. Yeah. This is what this is. You know. And, you know, watching the nanny nine one one shows or whatever, it's like you can learn some things, but it's practical. I mean, I'm sure every parent is different. Every child is different. But uh, you know, Jim Gaffigan does sum it up of you know how traumatizing bedtime can be at times. And, you know, sometimes it's just like me. I don't want to go to bed, so I'm negotiating with myself. It's like, well, if I watch one more episode on Netflix, yeah. I did shower yesterday. Yeah. So I don't I – can, I can sleep in a little bit. I don't need breakfast. I can watch one more show. Oh, I didn't like this job anyway. I'll just watch one more. One of the, one of the cutest stories of my, my son ever was – you were talking about that one more show. Yeah. Uh, he was watching Nickelodeon, and uh, I was tired and – he was old enough to know just go to bed. You know, mm-hmm. I can't remember. Well, probably four or five, maybe yeah. four or five. And I go, when this is over, you go to bed. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So I wake up in the middle of the night. It's probably two thirty, three in the morning. <laughs> he's still sitting there in front of the TV, but he's almost crying. He has almost this look. I go, what's the matter? He goes, it just keeps coming on. <laughs> it was, a, it was, a, it was a marathon. Oh. So he didn't know. He didn't know when, when it was and... was over. It was. It just keeps coming on. Salute your shorts for twelve straight hours. Yeah, uh, you know one of those kind of like, oh man. But well, you know, you know kids take things so literal. Yeah, you know they're very yes. literal. And yeah, I mean, there's just been too many times thinking about that with my daughter, just how literal she takes things. Like, I said this. It's not what I meant. Please stop crying. You want? You want to? Can I buy you a pony? <laughs> An ice cream covered pony? Come on, let's go. Ice cream covered <laughs> pony. Well, um, I mean, I have a couple of friends I've known since I was a wee little lad. Do you have any friends that you've kept up with throughout your eons of life? Um, I yes, one of my best friends I've had most of my life, but it was so weird. He recently passed away. Oh. And so the one one friend that I've had ever since I was probably three years old mm-hmm. is, you know, oh. gone. 
Well, it's like they say, like there's a meme on Facebook you've seen, that, like if you're friends with somebody for seven years, they become lifelong friends, that uh-huh. sort of thing. And it's always with like a, a still from Stand By Me, like the kids walking down the train yeah. tracks. Yeah. But uh, there's the story of these guys who um, decided that one was moving away, so they ripped up a dollar bill and wrote a date on it. And they said, we're going to meet back here on this day. But it wasn't, you know, in just next year or in a couple of years. They wrote the date. 40 years later. 40 years in the future? Yep, so let's take a listen. Steve Morris is waiting for an old friend, hoping this guy he hasn't seen in years and completely lost touch with will suddenly appear, just like he promised 40 years earlier. I can remember Joe reaching into his wallet and pulling out a dollar, and he tore it, and I got my half, and he got his half. And the point was, no matter what happens, no matter what happens 40, 40 years, years from this day, we're going to be back here. You saved this for 40 years? Saved it for 40 years. They each left the bar that night with half of the dollar bill. On one side, they wrote that day's date, 4476. On the other, their far-off reunion date. Growing up in West Palm Beach, Florida, Steve Morris and Joe Whitehead were best friends. They even went on a cross-country road trip together in this contraption. But that was then. Shortly after the trip, Joe moved away and they lost touch. Decades passed. But all the while, Steve held on to his half of the promise, hoping Joe would too. If he ever even cared, I didn't know. What are the odds of him <laughs> caring enough? Like, not many guys would hold on to a half a dollar bill from some night 40 years earlier. Those odds have got to be astronomical. That's Steve Hartman, one of our favorite good news reporters from CBS, covering this story. And have you held on to anything for 40 years? Oh, some underwear, I think. <laughs> yeah. But because I'm a guy. Yes, you know? exactly. <laughs> I'm sure I do because I'm I am a pack rat. Oh yeah. I, uh, I probably have. And then all your your moving, you've still kept some things. And, yeah. you know, throughout my career in radio and other moves, because I think my wife and I counted, in the nine years we've been married, we moved 12 times. And it got to be such a point where my wife said, you see this box? Anything you want to keep goes in that box. If it doesn't fit in that box, you can't keep it. Really? Yeah, because she's just tired. Because my mom is a natural clutter pack rat, and she, her mom is not. Her mom's a purger. So she's like, okay, I've only purged two things today. We need to find eight more. I'm like, what do you mean? Do you want me to take off a finger? Doesn't she love memories? Well, she's like, I got them up here. Like, not when you're 80 and crazy. You know, like, I have things that my baby, like, I have the very first video camera that I bought. Uh Uh-huh. You know, the VHS slide. like The the, the strap. The strap. Yes. I I still have that. And I, I, other day I was down in the basement and I saw it and I picked it up. And it was almost like holding one of those things where a psychic flash goes to you. Like, Mm -hmm. I remember buying this. Right. So it's, I have trouble throwing things away. But they're, like. They're in order. They're in boxes. I have boxes and plastic tubs and all mm-hmm. this stuff. And so uh, Janet, my girlfriend's like, "Why don't you just throw it away? If you don't use it, just throw it away." Yep, Annabelle's and, the same. And exact I have way. I have moved over the years, like you've said. Yeah. I have boxes that I have taped up that I haven't ever opened in probably twelve years. Mm-hmm. They're taped up. She goes, "You don't even know what's in there. Throw it away." I go, "That's why I can't throw it away." Yes. I don't know what's in there. They <laughs> go around with me. Right. Because what if it, that could be like one of those things where storage wars, somebody opens that box <laughs> and they go, well, there's your coin collection. Right. So let's take a listen to part two. Guess who showed up at the bar right on schedule? Hey, brother. How you doing, man? I'm so happy to see you. I'm so happy to see you, too. A few months ago, Joe called Steve out of the blue to remind him of their date. <laughs> I think if you're the real Joe, you're going to have the other half of this guy. I do astronomical. I just happen to have it right here. 
it means so much that he had the same thoughts. I just went under the broad assumption that since I did, he did. This is such a pleasure. It is so cool. The old friends spent a couple hours turning back the clock. That went for electrical engineering. Catching up on family. There's our daughter. And making plans for the future. I already no have a dollar bill. The new one is dated 4 4 17. You're only shooting yeah. for one year? He's old. I'm 63. <laughs> I don't even buy ripe bananas. At one point or another, we all lose track of at least some of the people who made us who we are. But Steve and Joe prove it's never too late to reconnect. I mean, if there's one person that you'd like to talk to, go back and talk to them. If they're not around, you'll regret it. Bet your bottom dollar. To 40 years. Wow, they both kept that dollar for 40 years and, you know, wanting to continue the tradition a year later. That's pretty nuts. And one, only one year. Do another 40. You know, <laughs> well, give, he's 63. Give, he may give, not... give yourself a goal, you know, <laughs> start eating well, working out, because right. i got to make this next 40. <laughs> exactly. Well, coming up next, we have uh, Miles King and his mom, Tree, talking about autism. They're coming up next, and you might remember Miles from uh, coming on the show before with his dad and also Ark. But uh, Steve Mudflap McGrew, how can people find you? Google, Google Steve McGrew, and we are not responsible for anything you find here at the Angie Austin Show. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. We'll be right back with Miles and his mom tree. The good news of Jesus for you in high-definition radio and streaming at 670KLTT.com. This is KLTT Commerce City, Denver. Hey, it's Angie Austin. I'm here with my friend Francis Owens with ARC. And Francis, you and I have been friends a long time, and you and I both wanted to do something with our lives, with our careers that made a difference. I love ARC. I've gotten to know so many of the differently abled ambassadors through you. And it's shopping with a purpose. So when we shop there, the money actually goes to help the disabled community locally. And you need donations. We need donations all the time, and we are very, very happy to come pick them up. You can easily call 303-238-238. Jane, which is 303-238-5263. We would love to come pick up anything. All of our sales go to help people with disabilities around the state. We raise funds for advocacy. Love it. And you can also, of course, drop things off, but they'll come and pick things up for free. And again, all the money stays locally to help the disabled community. And I love to shop there because I find great deals. You can find out more info as well at arcthrift.org. Thank you. Perfect. Yay. For over 120 years, the Denver Rescue Mission has been providing services to those in need and the homeless in the metro area. It is the oldest full-service Christian charity in the Rocky Mountain region. Since its conception in 1892, it has expanded to helping the homeless and hungry to provide services for men and single mothers, offering programs such as rehabilitation for those suffering from addiction and abuse, education and career centers, family services, and life restoration. The Denver Rescue Mission is always in need of your assistance. You can help this growing organization by donating clothing, food, furniture, and more at any of the drop-off locations. The greatest need for the fall season is for mentors and interns. For more information on their services, ways you can help, and to donate online, go to denverrescuemission.org. denverrescuemission.org. Changing lives in the name of Christ. 
The summer fun continues in the majestic mountains at YMC of the Rockies in Estes Park and Snow Mountain Ranch. Some time away is just what you need to relax and rejuvenate. Both locations offer so many activities it's difficult to list them all. From guided hikes and archery to campfires and climbing wall, there's something for everyone at YMCA of the Rockies. This summer is still on your mind, but it's never too early to start planning your family reunion for next year. For more information and to plan your visit, go to ymcarockies.org. Welcome back to the good news. Hey, it's producer Moose sitting here in the in the driver chair. Andy, uh, or Andy, let me just uh, you know interview our next guest because he's become quite a favorite of mine. Had him in the studio a couple times, and you're listening actually to a song he wrote called "Love, Happiness, and Autism," and that can be none other than my good buddy Miles. How's it going, my friend? It's it's so pretty good, and I'm happy to return after a long wait. <laughs> and you know you uh came to us through the arc you were one of their ambassadors how long have you been working with the arc two years now two years and you're always a uh you know ball of energy i've dj'd many parties where you're always on the dance floor shouting requests at me or singing with the karaoke that we just had a couple weeks ago and you're oh, yeah. just you're just the man aren't you yes i guess you can call it that <laughs> And you've been on with the arc, as I said, and then also you came in with a whole bunch of men from your family in this awesome family band that you have. Who came in there? Is your dad? Yes, my dad, my uncle Stephen, and my grandpa. We're a generation of musicians. And uh, you brought in another special guest today. Who did you bring in today? Today, this is my mom. She's been there for me, and uh, she's been to so many events with me. We Has she been there for you since you've been born? Yes, I remember. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't remember that? <laughs> All right. Well, well, why don't you introduce your mom? What's her name? And uh, you know what? What's your favorite thing about your mom? Well, this is my mom, Tree Kane. She's been in Denver her whole life, as I am, and we shared a lot of times together. And she means everything to me because she's also blessed me with God's spirit and many things I've never been through before, because. If it hadn't been for my mom, I never would have been here. Just like saying, God is everything to me. Because without God, I never would have made it through. And that means a lot. And one of my favorite things about my mom is that we like to uh, listen to music together and sing along. And we all love to have fun and share laughter and love, many things like that. Well, what a great introduction. Couldn't have done it any better myself. Welcome to the show, Tree. Thank you. And so, Tree, you are a mother of a great young man, and um, you gave me a little bit about uh, information about you and Miles, and you guys are doing this uh, event coming up, uh, a Walk for Autism. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that before we get uh, even further? It's uh, Walk Now for Colorado Autism Speaks. Well, Autism Speaks Walk Now for Colorado. And we've been walking the past, I think, eight, nine years. Wow. Just to support autism awareness. Mm -hmm. We... Um, Miles was diagnosed with the on the on the autism spectrum uh, disorder on the spectrum rather when he was about three and a half. Oh, okay. And it was really hard for me to uh, extremely difficult to accept when he was only three points off of being non-autistic. So I had a hard time with that, and I just fought everything they told me he couldn't do was my mission to teach him how to do. Gotcha. So not what he couldn't do, but what he could do. And he's accomplished so much. And, um, and the, I mean, we all have to thank our moms for, you know, our greatness or whatever we might have. So, you know, 
being the mom and having to go through this journey, what have been some of the great challenges you as a mother have had to deal with this uh, autism that Miles has? Wow, <laughs> a lot. Just from uh, trying to find a preschool to uh, finally getting him into DPS and trying to enforce inclusion. Uh, his dad was very instrumental in writing letters to get him a paraprofessional to go through school and help him, um, you know, function. When you haven't been to school before, you don't know where to go, what to do. Right. Uh, most kids just follow others, but when you have a special need and you're not sure where to go or what to do, you need that extra assistance. So the paraprofessionals, we had to write a letter every year to get one, get him one, and it really helped, um, especially with the inclusion, to be able to sit in classes with so-called typical children. Mm-hmm. And Miles, you've just uh, been in this family that loves you and wants nothing but the best for you. And is, do you just love your family as a tight group? Well, I guess you can say that we're we're not just tighter. We're we're also close. And as my mom said, there were many things I couldn't do, like going to school, graduating from school, all of that. But my family means everything to me, and we all work together. We play together. We've done so much together, and I'm just happy to be part of a family, and it means the world to me. Now, this um, Walk for Autism, this is something you've done for eight, nine years, as your mom said. Is this, is this something that you look forward to every year? Yes, it is something special that I've been doing this for a while. And since 2007, my mom and some of our family members and friends participate, and we walk from uh, from the lobby to the back, and... It was the first time when we'd done that. It was at Dick Sporting Goods, and then a few years later, then to Coors Field. But the best moment was back in 2011. I did play a song, and I hosted this thing. Everybody was so proud of me, and thought I did pretty good out there. And you've been on panels talking about autism, and people seek you out to sing songs and just talk about who you are and the great things you've accomplished. And it's just awesome to see, you know, there's people all over the place that, oh, my child has such and such disability or disease or disorder, and then they just mope about it. But you saw what he could do and just seize the day tree. Was I mean, I'm guessing that it was a definite uphill battle that you have to conquer even today. He's not three anymore. No. But... (laughs) But uh, you as a great, strong mom have had to defeat quite the odds to be able to have Miles be the man that he is today. This is very, very true. He, by just teaching him various things, just loving him unconditionally. I mean, mm-hmm. Miles is a gift from God. Any child that you have is a gift from God's treasure chest. Yeah. And it all depends on how you accept that. And for me, it was just loving him unconditionally, teaching him how to do things, teaching him how to take care of himself, teaching him how to go out and catch the bus, or teaching him how to cook, or tie in his shoes. I mean, all these were challenges, but he has overcome so many things. They told me, oh, don't expect too much from him. Uh, he may not be able to go to a typical school. He may not have a job. He may not be able to do. And I go, how could you tell me what he can do when I don't know what he can do? Right. we just going to have to put faith out there and through prayer and extreme patience and the village. They talk about a village raising mm-hmm. a child. We had the major village because yeah. he has accomplished so much to graduate from high school and be able to go up on stage where there were 5,000, I don't know how many people were there at the uh, Wells Fargo Center and be able to play with the jazz band. And just he's just accomplished so many things. I'm just so overjoyed, proud. I mean, I could just cry tears of joy because I just, 
when I think about the things he does. I mean, I, I come home last night and he's cooking dinner. I mean, he, he cooks dinner and, and makes desserts. And Yes, I'm glad that you did teach him how to cook because <laughs> you brought in some delicious cupcakes I've yet to partake of, but they're in the other room. And so I'm grateful <laughs> to you for that. And Miles, do you like to cook? Is that one of your favorite things? Yes, that is one of my favorite things. I learned from my mom and she learned how to, she taught me how to cook some pretty good stuff from chicken to uh, pork, even learn how to bake desserts, cupcakes, cake, cheesecake, you name it all. And so when when's dinner? When can I come over? <laughs> well, uh, do, do you have a favorite thing to cook? Oh, the best thing I like to cook is making chicken. And a while ago, I used to make those uh, chicken parmigiana sandwiches. Mm. My mom enjoyed them. Even my Uncle Steven did. <laughs> is Uncle Steven a picky eater? No, Come on, I don't think eat. he would be that kind of person. <laughs> well, I'd have to say that, you know, there was a time when, uh, you know, Moose didn't have a job and I would watch a lot of PBS because I was like the only channel I got. And so there's a show called the uh, Barbecue University. Mm-hmm. And so that's just what I watched and I absorbed a lot of the information. And so now like I'm the grill master of the family and we had to demote my father-in-law because he would get distracted and start playing with the grandkids and then like everything he grilled turned uh, for lack of a better word Cajun style <laughs> and it was very crispy and so last summer he finally got demoted and I got promoted as grill master Ooh. and so I like cooking too and so it's one of the things that I love doing and uh, I for the first like four or five years of my marriage I was the main cook because my my wife's philosophy of cooking was if I turn it on high it'll get done faster so it's you know like like father like daughter <laughs> so that's one of the cool passions that we have besides music but as I'm talking to you guys you have something that matches on both of your outfits you're each wearing a blue puzzle piece that's tree it's on your earrings miles you have a pin on what's with the blue pu- puzzle piece that's for autism awareness. Autism awareness. We try to promote it every day. Uh, I wear my pin every day, or my earrings, one of the two. And people ask some very unusual questions. I hope you lost a piece to your puzzle. Or people come up to me and say, what is this pin for? And I tell them it's for autism awareness, and they almost 90% of the time, oh, my niece has autism, or how did you deal with it, and how did you do this? Well, when Miles is about seven, I guess, I was so flustered with the whole, you know, well, we did the early intervention for autism. And we and that's good because a lot of people don't, don't understand it. Right. They, they never know what to do. Um, thank God for his father who searched the Internet and found out. And 20 years ago, there was not the information that we have today. Exactly. Okay, so his father found early intervention through Children's Hospital, and we had him tested, so forth. And they said early intervention is the best. So we mm-hmm. did behavior therapy, speech therapy, occupational therapy, like four days a week we were at yeah. therapy often and then I started writing this book I just started documenting what he was doing how he was doing how well he was doing and now I'm just trying to uh, get my book out there which is extreme patience love happiness and autism uh, okay and the the song did you write that for the book or yes no I you no, wrote I... the song um, what five years ago yes five years ago I was almost 21 years old when I wrote that one I want to support autism awareness and I want to help people who have autism live their life with love, happiness. And as the song says, love is a wonderful feeling and can help families and friends come together. And happiness is the kind of feeling that can take you places that you've never dreamed of. Mm. And autism says, even if you do have a disorder of autism, it doesn't stop you from living a good life.
Right. And <laughs> I mean, there's that's probably one of the things that, you know, doctors and other professionals told you, Tree. Exactly. Uh, he has autism. Woe is you. He's not going to be able to do much. Right, right. And I'm like, I'm not accepting that. I, I just yes. can't. Not when you, you believe that there's a higher power and with prayer and patience, you can do anything. In fact, I didn't even, I treated Miles as a typical child. Oh, yeah. There was great. no, what is special needs? What, what, whatever. He's still you don't my have child. To bubble wrap him. You love him unconditionally. Yeah. So when he was 15, he was in a video called Wings, Teens with Special Needs. Mm -hmm. They came and asked if Miles could be in this video. During the course of the interview, they asked him, Miles, how do you feel about having special needs? And he turns around and says, what? I don't have any special needs. And I just started crying because I, I didn't know what he was going to say. Yeah. And he started asking questions about autism. And that was really his first rude awakening to uh, autism and, and, and dealing with it. Well, it's good. Like at 15, having gone 12 years with this, I think you know the words, you knew the labels, but he didn't and be able to make it that far and still feel you know, I'm 15, and what do you mean I'm, I have special needs? But that's just, you know, a uh, great thing. You know, you're loving him as a normal child, and he doesn't have the autism, and that you're just, uh, you know, see the great power of love that you have for your son. And, you know, I have friends who, you know, were pregnant, and they were told by the doctors, you know, your baby has special needs. There's no way he's going to make it out of the hospital. And they said, well, we'll see. Right. We'll pray about it. And then they made it out of the hospital. There's no way your baby's going to crawl. Then on the day he crawled, they sent him a picture. Exactly. Your baby's never going to walk. Same thing. And now Carter, my buddy's going to come in the show next week. He's seven years old. He can walk um, with you know assistance. He has his, he's uh, helping raise his own um, assistance dog. And just uh, with, within the first 365 days of his life, he was a $1 million baby. Okay. But he has the spirit of that $1 million. He, he, you know he's going to be like a motivational speaker and change lives. He already has at the age of seven. But, you know, just miles, you're out there touching lives. You have this autism walk that's coming up. And what can people do to help you? Are you is this a fundraiser for autism? What is Team Miles and Tree doing for this? This is, um, well, our team is Miles of Awareness. Miles of Awareness. Oh, so we okay. walk for Miles of Awareness. Yeah. And you can go online and uh, donate to our team, join our team, come walk with us uh, May 7th at Coors Field. And we just we just appreciate the support. Um I just really want people that don't know where to go, what to find, how, how do you research it? I mean, I find I've, the more I research on autism here, especially here of late, mm -hmm. I find that more and more uh, kids aren't, or parents aren't finding out until six, seven, eight years old. Right. And they're saying, gosh, that's a little late. Mm -hmm. Well, it doesn't matter when you find out. It's, it's what you do about it when you find out. Right. I mean, here's dad was gung-ho. Let's go get some research. Let's go find out. Let's, let's go therapy. Do this. That. And my thing was, this, okay, he can't do what? Okay, come on. Here, hold the pencil. Come on. Here, yeah. let's tie your shoes. Come on. Here, let's button your, you know, whatever it took to I want him to be able to function in society without having a label. Right. And he already is. You have a great job at the ARC. You, uh, you know, are singing and touching lives and just being a great guy. Playing piano and, yeah. and yes. singing. And church. I mean, he loves his church and he works on the altar every Sunday. Very cool. So what, what's next for Miles? What, what do you see yourself? What's your five-year plan? <laughs> well, in five years, I'm hoping maybe I could make a plan to do a band or even find some places that I can work out with and maybe I could even show the world what autism is to me and showing the world how I can do. And also coming up next week, I will be planning to go to the Rocky Mountain Autism Summit. 
it's going to be on the April the 19th, which is about 10 days away from my birthday. But <laughs> at the Autism Summit, it's about um, supporting people with autism or those who have a spectrum with that. But this is a really special experience, and I do hope this could be a great time for me. Oh, cool. And, you know, there's great things that people with autism can accomplish. My brother-in-law has slight autism, and he is uh, works for CDOT, and he designs roads, and he's a great civil engineer. You're a great pianist. So I guess one of the things that we always talk about when the ARC is in here, no matter who you are, whether you have a disability or you, you, know, you put yourself in a box, break the box down, break down the barriers, and uh, there isn't anything you can't do even when people say you can't because you've had – Countless people on doctors say miles never amount to anything. Exactly. Has that been the biggest struggle as a as a mom of somebody who has autism? Yes. Is people <laughs> is saying what being they the parent for you? Yeah. They. They. I mean, it just it was just really hard to accept somebody telling me what he could accomplish and what he couldn't when we didn't know. Right. And we just pushed and just kept continued to push him to do great things. I mean, last year I was just I was floored when he got. Um, an opportunity to go and be at the National Autism Society's conference which right, is here we were in Colorado about that. and to go in there and talk about living as an adult with autism. I mean, he just he just spelled it out basically, whatever. I still live a good life. This is yes. what's going on. This is how I feel about it. And I was just so proud to sit there and and listen to his story from from his perspective. Right. I mean, he's heard, you know, cuz he came to me and he goes, "Mom, I don't want to be autistic. I, I, what do I do? And I go, I, I didn't want to be autism. And I said, I didn't want you to be autistic either. But God puts in our in our lives what he wants us to deal with. Right. He knows what we can handle. Boy, some days it was <laughs> tougher than others. But like I said, he, he's just a gift from God's treasure chest. And I just um, love him unconditionally and continue to hope for the best. And he really wants to be a famous actor or musician and if there's any way we could make that happen, trust me, yeah, I'm on the mission. Well, Miles, you have great support with your family, great support with people here at The Good News and at The Ark. Thank you guys for coming in. And how can people um, donate towards your um, Miles? What's the cool name you have for your walking campaign? Miles of Awareness. Miles of Awareness. How can so people donate So if you look up that? Autism Speaks, go to AutismSpeaks.com and then put in Colorado and pull up Miles of Awareness. Miles and of you'll awareness. find our team. Of course, there's a picture of Miles there and just join our team you can donate there and like i say you can sign up there to register to walk with us may 7th cool and you're listening again to uh love happiness and autism written by miles himself thank you guys so much for coming in thank you for having having us. us your next shopping trip could change the lives of some very special people right here in colorado when you shop at ARC Thrift Stores, you'll not only save money, but you'll also give back to our community by helping people with intellectual and developmental disabilities, just like these ARC ambassadors. A lot of people, they have misconceptions about people with disabilities. A lot of them think that we can't do things that other people can do, and that's just not true. We can do what other people can do. It may take us a little bit more time to do it, but we can. We're just like any other human being. We have feelings and we have emotions, and if given the chance, we can shine. And I think that ARC has done a very good job at showing that. I like it there, and it helps me out to learn about reading off the labels and stuff. I like helping out different people, a lot of different people I help out. Find the ARC store near you at arcthrift.org. It's nonprofit, and it's a great company to work for and a great place to shop. And remember, every Saturday, you get 50% off most items in the store. 
Turn your next party into an event with Five Star Talent and Entertainment. For 15 years, Five Star Talent and Entertainment has provided top-notch performers for Colorado's most high-profile events. Five Star Talent is surprisingly affordable and easy to work with. From singers and bands to celebrity impersonators, magicians, buskers, and more, Five Star Talent has the entertainment your event needs. The Colorado Rockies, Ronald McDonald House, the NBA, the Cherry Creek Arts Festival, and hundreds more have raved about the entertainment provided by Five Star. Take your event to the next level and make it easy with Five Star Talent and Entertainment. Visit fivestaracts.com. And if you have a hidden talent, Five Star wants to hear from you. Turn your hidden talent into cash and have a great time doing it with Five Star Talent and Entertainment. Visit fivestaracts.com. That's the number five, staracts.com. When going to a chiropractor, you may be thinking that they won't be able to help you for the long term. However, Dr. Joe Arve at Maximize Living will change your mind. The moment you meet him, you will find that he is your best friend. He treats you like you are part of his family, and he truly cares about you and your health. He is very knowledgeable about long-term health and wellness. Through the use of spinal correction, he helps you discover what it takes to be a healthier you and will help you feel better even after your first adjustment. He will also share with you the essentials to healthy living so you can take your health back. No matter what stage of life you're in, he will help you develop a plan to achieve the goals you set. Get ready to make a positive change in your life. Give him a call at 303-457-8080, 303-457-8080, or spinegeek.com. Maximize living. Adjustments for life. Welcome back to the good news. Well, our topic is breast cancer awareness and prevention and how to save more lives. Joining us is Dr. Judith Salerno, President and CEO of Susan G. Komen. Welcome back, Dr. Salerno. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. All right, let's talk about your vision and uh, goals as we move towards October, Breast Cancer Awareness Month. What are some of the goals for Susan G. Komen going forward? Well, we recently announced a bold new goal, and that is to reduce the current number of U.S deaths from breast cancer, which is currently at 40,000 by half in the next decade. And we believe that this is achievable through investing in research and through health equity. That is access to care for people who are currently facing many, many obstacles to care. It's a bold goal. It's aggressive. But we know that with a concerted effort that we can achieve it. Well, it's an exciting goal. You know, I think that one form of breast cancer that's of particular interest to many, it's a aggressive and deadly metastatic breast cancer. Can you talk a little bit about that? Uh, yes. Metastatic breast cancer is cancer that has gone to other organ systems, to the liver, the lung, the bones, the brain, much, much harder to treat. And it's the cancer that overwhelmingly kills people. We have very, very few successful treatments for it. So we are investing in treatments and understanding the biology of this, what makes these cancer cells move to other parts of the body. Just last week, we announced 33 
million dollars worth of new research that we're supporting. And the vast majority of those grants are going to expanding our knowledge of metastatic breast cancer and how to stop it. Currently, we've invested more than $166 million in metastatic disease. And we've seen some advances, but we have to turn those advances and understanding the biology into treatments and bring it to people as quickly as possible because lives are at stake every single day. All right, let's talk about differences in outcomes and treatment as well. Let's talk about disparities that exist and what can be done to remove those disparities in the outcomes and treatments. Well, there are terrible disparities that exist, particularly in urban areas across Mm -hmm. the U.S., For example, in underserved communities, which are largely African-American communities, we know that women there, African-American women, are 40% more likely to die of the disease, same type of disease, same stage of the disease as their white women counterparts. So, So what's this all about? Well, sure, there are some differences in the type of disease, but we know that we can make a difference and we've shown that we can do it in some cities where we've invested in, like Chicago, where we've reduced the mortality rates by a third um, by just making sure that women get access to timely and high quality care, that they're getting mammograms that are the highest quality, that we're bringing people to care when they can't get there by transportation, providing childcare, doing all the things that have created obstacles to getting the care that we know makes a difference and will save lives. So if we didn't do another thing, if we didn't have another advance in research, that today we know that we could save thousands of lives every single year by doing just leveling the playing field and making these resources accessible to all women. Let's talk. We've got time for at least one more question here. Uh, What steps can women take to reduce their risk? Well, you know, um, there's certainly um, an understanding that women need to know about getting screened and when it's in, when it's it makes sense for them to get screened and to do it on a regular basis. This is a conversation that they should have with their personal physician. Mm-hmm. But knowing your family history is very, very important mm-hmm. as well. Knowing um, if you have cancer in your family, maybe not even only breast cancer, but other cancers, you should talk about that. And that certainly is a, a contributing to somewhere between 7 and 10% of the breast cancers that we see that there's a familial link. But you know you're normal. Know what is normal for you and your body. And when there's something that's changed, make sure you see a physician very, very quickly to, to make sure that it's nothing of concern. And then finally, healthy lifestyle is important. Yes. Weight, physical activity, limiting alcohol. Breastfeeding can be preventive also um, against breast cancer. But um, but, you know, the, the lifestyle issues are things that we can control and we can use them to help minimize our risk, not eliminate it, but minimize our risk of breast cancer. So these are things that, that every person can do and should do to make sure that they're keeping their focus on optimal health for themselves. Excellent. All right, Dr. Salerno, where do we go to get more information? Well, our website, komen.org, K-O-M-E-N.org, um, or our, which has uh, is a wealth of information on everything from screening to different types of breast cancer to what's going on in research. And then if you need have individual questions, please call our helpline, which is 1-877-GO-COMEN. That's one 
1-877-465-6636 and somebody will be there to answer the phone and to, to answer your questions and we'll be able to connect you up to resources in the communities across the United States where we have over a hundred affiliates who are ready, willing, and able to help women. Wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Salerno, and thanks for all that you're doing for others. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin. Find the podcast of past shows at AngieAustinRadio.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.